You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We're breaking down Monday Night Football. Los Angeles Rams maybe making a little bit of a statement against the Chicago Bears. Both teams now five and two there. And of course, it's Tuesday, which means it is our two-minute warning. Your questions will spend two minutes on each, give or take, covering every division in the NFL. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, the scout, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL, a must follow Bears Rams Monday nighter, Matt. And it was all Rams pretty much all the time, especially in the second half. They played good defense and that Bears defense, while they kept them, you know, 24 points isn't a ton of points. The Rams proved. Uh, let me ask you this, actually. Did the Rams prove that they're like, OK, we be a really good team for the first time this year? This is the first team with a better than 500 record that they've beaten. The other team was the the Bills that they lost to. A lot of games against the East that we've talked about, NFC East and AFC East here. Or is this more about the Chicago Bears showing up against a good team and like, okay, we're not quite ready for primetime? I think more the latter, but a combination of both, of course. You know, I mean, I, I felt like the Rams were the better team of these two going in. And the Bears, you know, five and one, now five and two were inflated. And actually, they now have a negative point differential, besides, even though they're five and two, which is, you know, more of what they are. I think yeah. they're an average type team. The Rams are a better than average team and would win this game more often than not. I also thought there were some mismatches to the Rams' favor, especially Aaron Donald against the interior, that Bears offensive line. They couldn't protect it all. They couldn't get downfield. They couldn't get Allen Robinson going. Foles couldn't elevate those around them. You know, they ran for just 49 yards on the day, and it allowed the Rams to play their style. You know, I mean, Goff was able to play within himself, didn't have to put the team on his back, 23-33. They could just stick with their ground game that was quite successful. Um controlled the tempo of the game pretty much start to finish distribute the football and they were highlighting Jalen Ramsey a lot last night and he's I think the best defensive back in the league now you know they use him they call him the star position which is really a basically a nickel a five-pointed star is the nickel you know I mean that's kind of how that got that name but he is a big ball he's not a little five nine nickel I mean he's near the line of scrimmage he blitzes he plays the run he's all over the place and you know he'll play man coverage on their tight ends on Allen Robinson on whoever and uh, he is a superstar and I love how that Rams defensive coordinator Staley uses him and you can lock, you can put him up. If the the opposing team's best player is a wide receiver, that's where he's going to be. If the opposing team's best player is a tight end, that's where he can be. And a lot of teams try to get that matchup in the slot on third downs. And so you can put him there. I love seeing him move around and utilizing your best player in the best way that you can to shut down the opponent. So fantastic there. A good call on the way he's playing right now and the way he's being utilized. I think we're going to see just more and more of that around the NFL as, as defenses sort of shift toward what offenses are doing and trying to get the advantage there with, with players in the slot. Um, to your point about the Bears being 5-2, and two, yet they have a, a negative 
point differential on the season minus two. They're not the only team. There's three teams, according to ESPN Stats and Info. I saw this tweet, and then I went back to look at it. And uh, the point differential thing is kind of crazy with some divisions and some teams right now. Uh, the The Bears are minus two. The Browns are minus 21 at five and two. And the Bills are five and two with a minus four differential. And this is the first time yeah. ever, ever that there's been three teams in the Super Bowl era. There's been three teams with a negative point differential that are five and two. And usually at this time of year, you had you stubbed your toe, you had a bad day, you lost 50 to nothing. Okay, you had one bad game, but the rest of them were better, were more good than bad. And I guess that kind of applies to the Browns, except for their they had two real bad games. They just happened to be against division opponents, the Ravens and Steelers. But other than that, they've been the better team. You know what I mean? But generally speaking, a team like the Bears, they just played a lot of close games and ended up on the better side of it overall. Did you hear the comment? during the game about during their their pregame meeting and production meeting about Nick Foles saying that there's some calls that comes in from a naggy that he knows he can't that he won't have time to complete and that he knows he's going to check it down before the play even happens did you hear that I didn't can you explain that to me again so so essentially Foles told uh I think it was greasy uh Foles told him that Nagy will give him play calls that he knows he's not going to have time to complete. And he dropped wow. this, he dropped this during the telecast. And I, and not a lot of people are talking about it. I thought it was a pretty big deal that he would drop something like that, saying that about his head coach. And then um, Nagy was asked about it after the game. And he said, I don't know. I'll have to talk with, uh, I'll have to talk with Nick about that and, and get clarification. I thought it was yeah, pretty clear. <laughs> I wonder if it just didn't come out of his mouth, right. When he told the reporters or, I don't understand what could be behind that or what logic there would be for that. That's bonkers. It's crazy, first of all, that you would say it, but if that's really the case, then there's a bigger problem there, right? If there's play calls coming in and your quarterback doesn't even believe in it when he hears it come through the headset. Right, right, right. Like, it doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Okay, here we go. Here's the official quote. We can't play the audio. I think we'd get in trouble for you using that money on okay. football audio. But uh, the quote uh, during the game was, we were talking to Nick Foles yesterday and, you know, sometimes play calls come in and I know that I don't have time to execute that play call. You know, I'm the one out here getting hit. Sometimes the guy calling the plays, Matt Nagy, he doesn't know how much time there is back there. Greasy said during the fourth quarter of the Monday Night Football game. So that's something that they have to get worked out. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's quite a... Yeah, I would think you better get that worked out. And, and then after the game, he was asked about it. And Nagy said, Nick and I have a pretty good relationship and... He hasn't said that. I'm sure he'll explain what he meant by that. And then Foles confirmed the conversation with Greasy mentioned in the broadcast, but said it was misconstrued a little bit. He said that was definitely a miscommunication with Brian and I. We do these pregame conversations the day before the game to give the broadcast team information. That conversation, Coach Nagy and I have great conversations on the sidelines. There might be times where we go through it beforehand and say, what do you think? And there's times where you got to get the ball out quick and whatnot. But in those situations, Matt and I have a great relationship on the sideline. In that situation with Brian, it was just a miscommunication because that's not what I was trying to bring across in that conversation. So I don't know if if uh, okay. the original conversation was more accurate and Nick Foles trying to walk that back a little bit. But when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's kind of a, a bombshell situation when the play caller gives the quarterback a play and he's telling people immediately knows he can't execute it. 
Yeah, and they've been terrible on third downs. I mean, I wonder if that's part of, you know, like, is the communication, are we stumbling a little bit more than other teams? You know, I mean, and just imagine if there were crowd noise and more distractions as usual, you know? And it's funny because I saw there were so many times in that game where they could have hit a big play, but Foles didn't have time. There was two yeah, plays. There were a lot of that. There were two plays that could have been touchdowns to Mooney where Foles had to let the ball go early. One time he he let it go on that stutter and go, and that was against Ramsey, who actually tried to jump it, and that was that he was gone there. But Foles didn't have time. He was back towards his end zone and had to just let it go where he thought he might be, and it was about five yards too long. Then another time they had him late in the fourth quarter, and Mooney broke open and Foles underthrew it that time, and maybe the the first throw was on his mind, but he didn't have time to to wait for him to get open, step into it, and make a good throw. So there's something to it, which kind of all came together when when Brian Greasy said that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and again, I keep going back to just not being able to block Aaron Donald and the 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 broadcasting crew just over and over were talking about, especially Lewis Riddick, who's great, the the impact that he has even when he doesn't make the play. I mean, he has doubled more than any defensive lineman in the league, which is obvious. I knew that. But what I didn't know, they mentioned it early in the game, Akeem Hicks is second by their metric of, of times of getting doubled per you know per game. And Don, you look at the rest of that Rams defense, like – Donald and Ramsey are as good as they get. Yeah. And there's a couple other other okay guys, but it's not phenomenal. I mean, it's a pretty bad group outside of those two. And you mentioned their defense coordinator. He's doing a heck of a job with the whole unit. Yeah, we talked about on paper that this we weren't sure about the team building strategy of the Rams because of that. It was a stars and scrubs lineup. You have two superstar players, and it's like, okay, well, what about everybody else? And so big kudos to uh, Staley, the defensive coordinator there for what he's been able to do with that talent and put it all together and obviously utilizing his two stars to make the biggest impact. I worry, though, like what if they both don't play 16 games or 16 plus in the playoffs? You know, like all of a sudden that defense could go from really good to really bad or better offenses. We saw Kyle Shanahan yeah. expose the rest of that defense just a couple of weeks ago and, you know, and got a lot of favorable matchups getting away from those two players and out on the edge and and short passing and, and putting pressure on the linebackers and some of those things. So, yeah, it, it could come back to haunt them still. I, I like the Rams, but I, I think it's a dangerous way of counting on a, a very good defense. And those two are awesome, but you're right. I mean, I think you could, as great as Donald is, you could scheme up to go away from him or trap him here and there. You know, I mean, he, he is only one guy, although he's the best player in the league. Rams improving to 5-2. and two. Bears fall to five and two. Three teams now in the NFC are in the NFC West already have five wins. The Niners have a four and three record there in last place. The Niners could beat the Seahawks next week and the Rams lose. The Niners would still be tied for last place in the NFC West at five and three. And all four teams would have five wins in the NFC West. Any chance all four go to the playoffs? Yes. I mean, this is the first time ever it's possible. Yeah. And the NFC East isn't going to send two teams, right? So it no. basically comes down to can the North and the South send two teams? And that comes down to right now, record-wise, looking like the Bears, Bears Packers. The NFC West right. So do the Bears, with that early 5-1 and one record that they jumped out to, does that allow them to get into the playoffs over a team that might be better by the end of the season but didn't play well early in the year? So Bucks and uh, I would say the South Bucks and Saints would be the one where better chance of those two teams getting in. So that'll be interesting. It, it would have to be one from each division, then all four NFC West teams. But they're going to beat up on each other. I just don't know if the record's going to be there for all four teams in the end. 
No, I mean, I bet it's still a long shot and no offense to the bears. I'm not saying a lot of great stuff about the bears, but I think there's a pretty good chance the saints and bucks end up in the postseason. I totally agree. Let's yeah. get to our two minute warning, Matt. We'll cover every division in the NFL coming up. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Refreshing sidekick for whichever game you're most focused on. I personally, paying it a little extra close attention now, got some more skin in the game this season with us keeping track of our picks on the Peacock and Williamson podcast every week. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day to become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Have you visited rockauto.com yet? If you haven't, you need to because it's the best place to go to keep your car running at an optimal level. If you need accessories for your vehicle, if you need anything at all involving your vehicle, it is such an amazing selection at rockauto.com and their prices are always reliably low. Why go to other retailers when uh, they have such a limited stock and you don't know what they're even ordering on the other side of a computer screen. You can go find exactly what you need for your make and model. A ridiculous selection at rockauto.com and keep your vehicle on the road. Or maybe even add some fun aftermarket parts, right? rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com with a unique catalog, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. A little bit of news, Matt, because Christian McCaffrey returning to practice this week, that's pretty big. And we had a question here from PJ. He said, what do you expect from Christian McCaffrey the rest of the season and when should he be back? And actually, after that question was sent to us, we got a little bit of news right this morning that CMC's coming back this week to practice. Probably won't play this week, but week nine, it's on. Second half of the year. Yeah, I mean, they play Thursday night. So, I mean, it'd be, I think it'd be crazy to play him this week. But if he's starting to practice with the team and then you get that long week after the Thursday nighter to incorporate him back in, I mean, let's not forget what a phenomenal player he is. And the Davis experience has been great. And I think he's made himself a lot of long-term money. Uh, He may even cut into McCaffrey's workload that was, you know, insane last year. And I think that'd be smart not to grind him into dust and use Davis a, a fair amount. But, man, you get McCaffrey back, just his receiving prowess alone for Bridgewater is massive. I mean, we know Bridgewater's not a huge drive-it-down-the-field, you know, no-risk-it-no-biscuit type quarterback. And he's going to love those quick-hitting routes from McCaffrey, either out of the backfield or detached or in the slot. Maybe Davis is even on the field with them. And we've talked about, I think it was even yesterday, that I think Coach Brady, their offensive coordinator, is – phenomenal and now we're just giving him you know a, a, an ace you know it just added another big time card to his poker hand and we both thought coming into the season that the Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback situation there was actually even better than his old situation at quarterback for getting Christian McCaffrey the ball like there should be a lot yeah. of checkdowns there for Christian McCaffrey and he should absolutely be the star of that offense once he is back and hopefully he does look like the same guy after a pretty nasty ankle injury 
Right. And I'm assuming he will. I mean, I know it was an ankle, but why would they rush him back if it's questionable? Um, I'm excited to see him. Like, just the fan in me, and, and even the fantasy person in me, but just so many of the top stars, the first-round picks in fantasy, we haven't got the love and experience this year. Michael Thomas, Barkley, McCaffrey, Zeke hasn't been the same. Even guys like Miles Sanders missing time and, you know, all these other dudes. We just found out today Chris Godwin has a broken finger. I mean, it's just been all these big-name skill guys that we haven't got to enjoy this year. Hopefully the second half of the season is better. Right, yeah. So it's nice for some people to get those reinforcements back. And everybody right now in the fantasy world is hurting at running back, which tends to happen, I think, even more so this year with what's going on on the on the injury front. So getting Christian McCaffrey back. And look, I personally have some invested here because I traded Jonathan Taylor in a first-round pick in a keeper league to get Christian McCaffrey. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited to get him back for my playoff run in that league. Yeah, oh, I bet. And I'm sure he'll put up massive numbers. I bet they won't be comparable per game to last year, but that's okay. I mean, last year was just stupid what he was doing right. anyway. So you, you shouldn't always expect that. But, he, I mean, he's a you know plug and play. He's your number one back and, oh, and could lead your fantasy team all the way into the playoffs. Let's keep this moving with the AFC West. We've got Joshua says, who's on a shorter leash, Vic Fangio or Matt Patricia? Sort of a, a double whammy here with two different divisions. But uh, I want to focus on the AFC West version of this first with Vic Fangio. I don't think you can put what's going on with the Dolphins or with the uh with the Denver Broncos on Fangio. In fact, I think he's done a pretty darn good job for all the injuries they've been hit with. I do too. I mean, he's a defensive-minded coach that's lost some key defensive players, namely Von Miller, oh, by the way, a guy we got robbed of seeing this year. And I still think it's a top-10 type defense, and I don't think it's top-10 type defensive talent. That in itself has a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, holds some weight to it. I don't know that he's a great game day coach and deep down, maybe he's better defensive coordinator than he is head coach. Actually, I probably think he is, but that doesn't mean he's totally to blame for everything. Um, I kind of feel like Elway's on the hotter seat than Fangio. Yeah, I was there. just about to say that. I think that's yeah. exactly right because how Drew Locke goes is how it should go for John Elway. If he missed again yeah. on a quarterback, you can't let him pick another one. No, right. I mean, like, he went all in on Locke, and we said a lot over the offseason, wouldn't it be a good spot for an Andy Dalton, a Jameis Winston, you know, somebody that was out there that wasn't breaking the bank after the first wave went through, just in case this Locke thing doesn't work. And wouldn't the first month of the of the season maybe gone a little different for Denver if they'd have taken that approach? And that doesn't mean Locke's a bust. I'm not a big believer, don't get me wrong. But you look around that division, it's like, not only do we have Mahomes to deal with, but we have Herbert to deal with now, too, for the next 10 years, 20 years. And our guy is not the same as those. And just a reminder, since Peyton Manning came to Denver and led that team to a Super Bowl, John Elway has personally handpicked Brock Osweiler, whether it's yeah. draft or free agency, uh, Trevor Simeon, Christian Ponder, Paxton Lynch, there was the Chad Kelly experiment for a while. Case Keenum, um, yeah. you know, and yeah. a, a number of other guys that they, they didn't expect Joe to Flacco. start. Yeah, Joe Flacco was in there. Another and tall guy that can't move. And now they've gone all in with Drew Locke. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And Manning was more of a recruiting trip than it was a, yes. a talent evaluation. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So definitely, I would say Elway, even if it's less likely that he actually gets fired, Elway should be more on the hot seat 
Uh, if and it's all, it's purely not about wins and losses. It's about Drew Locke specifically more so than Vic Fangio. I actually heard somebody a couple of weeks ago saying you would think that Elway is Teflon. You know, there's a big statue of him in front of the place, and he's a legend. But it heard that his seat actually is warm, and it would be one of these type of moves, like. We're going to promote John to vice president yeah. of blah, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. And he'll come to work once a week and, you know, and we're going to we're going to hire a new GM. You know? I think that's a great way to structure an organization, have the figurehead, have the guy who's in front of the cameras that can, you know, that the fans love. And he's the mm-hmm. figurehead in front and he's a executive VP, whatever you want to put on his nameplate. And then you have the other guy who's actually out there doing all of the scouting work and and is the guy who's making the decisions on draft day that doesn't have to face the camera as much and just can focus on his job. It just makes things easier for everybody. Um, I think that's the perfect way to do it for the Broncos if they don't want to actually say, oh, we're going to fire uh, we're going to fire John Elway because, I mean, that's that is somewhat hard to do. That is hard to do. I mean, he's a legend, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. But he ain't doing such a good job of supplying the Broncos with quarterbacks. I will give him a little bit of credit, though. If you look at the Denver drafts the last two, three years, quarterback aside, I think they've done a nice job. You know, Judy, Fan, Sutton, uh, Chubb. You know, I mean, they've added some guys. And even in free agency, you know, a couple offensive linemen and whatnot. But, boy, you can't just keep missing a quarterback. I agree. And, again, I'm not saying that I don't believe at all in Drew Locke. But, you know, they need to see more. And, and we still have half a season to see that from him. Be pivotal. All right. More two minute warning coming up. We're going to actually keep him to two minutes. We did not in that segment. Uh, (laughs) And we'll hit the rest of the divisions in the NFL. Peacock and Williamson. All right. There was multiple Packer questions in the NFC North. Uh, I'm going to stick. Actually, let's let's do a double whammy here and cover the the AFC South and the NFC North with this question. Actually, we didn't finish the Matt Patricia part of that last question. What do you think Mm -hmm. about Patricia as far as hot seat goes? Definitely shorter leash. Than Vic Fangio, as the question was originally posed. I agree. I think his seat is quite warm. Not going to say hot. They've played a little better lately. So, I mean, could they be a wild card team? I know that sounds extreme. Probably not. But at least they're coming around a little. We didn't talk about that Falcons-Lions game enough, though. I mean, we mentioned how they're carbon copies of one another. I know I'm going over two minutes. That's right. But... (laughs) The other thing they do, too, is they lose games that they should win. They lose games in the fourth quarter. And I went back and watched some of the end of that game. Oh, that was it nuts. Was, you take it. I'll take it. Who? I mean, nobody wants to win. It was If they would have played any other team, except for maybe Cincy or the Chargers, who's good at that, too, they're just handing the team the victory over and over. I mean, it's so bad. So there is something to be said for that. And that to me is coaching and handling the game late and having your team in good condition and all those type of things doesn't bode so well for the Lions. I feel bad for the Falcons fans out there too, because they're just inventing new ways to lose. And in this one, oh, they crazy. scored a touchdown that made them lose the game, right? With Todd Gurley. <laughs> right, it's like, right. how, how do you do that? We didn't talk about that enough. Yeah. You, you, you're scoring a touchdown made you lose. <laughs> it's, it's pretty okay, amazing. There you go. Here's one for you, Matt. And we've got to keep these short. AFC North. How do you compare this year's Steelers roster to the last two Super Bowl winning rosters? Mm. Boy, I mean, my Steeler fandom is going to be uh, tested here because I don't have uh, I don't have those on instant recall. To be very honest with you, <laughs> I mean, I will say, and I had a good conversation on my Steeler show. 
that I think this is probably, and this is a massive statement, might just be the best Steeler defense that I remember. And that means basically 1980 on. I mean, I know like 76, 77, they were by far the best defense in the league and kept teams to like seven points. But times were different. I mean, right. I, I always talk about this in sports. Like, it, it, it depends how much better were you than your contemporaries. You know, like Bob Gibson's ERA, was it way better than league average or were ERAs down back then? You know, like McGuire hitting home runs like crazy. That's great, but wasn't everybody hitting home runs like crazy back then? So my point is points are being allowed like crazy. And I think the Steeler D this year, last year, is at least as good as any of those Paul Amalu, Blitzberg, Greg Lloyd, type defenses i mean at Ooh. least is good and that's a big statement although this past week you know you see some chinks more so than those ones but that's just today's nfl and i think the offense is really good too i mean the the o-line and the receiving positions are all deep ben's become a game manager it's not loaded with star power but i think it's a really well constructed unit and i think the bucks and steelers are the most well-rounded teams in the league, which speaks to, you know, front office and Kevin Colbert and team team building. You heard it at Williamson NFL steel curtain part two in Pittsburgh this year. Pretty Let's, good. <laughs> I mean, the pass rush is just crazy. How about this one? This is an interesting one. If the Packers called the Texans about Will Fuller, what's the asking price? What if they called about JJ Watt too? bring him uh, home to Wisconsin? Watt is like one of those where it's like the John Elway thing. You put him in the front office before you trade him away. Like, you know, I don't just, I don't think he's, and that's what's frustrated. Yes. And I know. And, and that's, what's rough for the situation that the Texans are in without the first or second draft pick coming up. And the two things that you could move, not the only two, but the two big pieces you have superstar power to get some picks back. You can't trade. You can't trade JJ Watt. You can't trade Deshaun Watson. See, I think you can't trade Watson. I think the world would understand if you got a second round pick for JJ Watt, just because he's older, he's been injured, he's expensive. I know he raised a ton of money and he's an icon and there's a million 99 jerseys around there, but sometimes business I think would be this smart. It it might just be the smarter move, but Fuller makes a lot of sense too, because I know Fuller, like, again, this is kind of a fantasy thing. Everyone, Everyone values Fuller much more than Brandon Cooks. I kind of think they're the same. And Cobb and Stills are okay. And we've seen a million second, third round pick receivers come into the league that you could add to the mix next year or the year after and probably be okay. You know, so boy, the, the Packers could use them. How about a second rounder for Fuller? That'd be pretty amazing. That would be a heck of a shakeup if J.J. Watt got traded. And one thing that the Texans do have on their side is whatever moves they make in the next six months or so, they can just blame everything on Bill O'Brien. So you're like, hey, we had to take our medicine. Even if it's right. even if it's JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson, you'd be like, look, we had to do this because of the future of the franchise. Otherwise, we'd just be terrible with a good quarterback for a long time. If that guy didn't put us in a situation, we wouldn't have traded him, folks. Yep. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Just blame him for everything. <laughs> NFC East. How much do the Eagles pay Matt Williamson to keep hyping up that garbage can quarterback? Carson Wentz. <laughs> I've seen a few of these tweets and I admit I am, I, I've been a little kind to the, the young man. Don't get me wrong. I feel for his situation. I, I loved him two years ago and I can't get off that train and I'm not going to get off that train 
but I will come clean that I've been probably too kind for him and don't and don't and I haven't lumped him as part of the problem. And his turnovers are certainly part of the problem. But I'm not going to totally jump off that train. I'm pretty excited to watch the Eagles with Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, maybe Rager, maybe Alshon, Fulgham, you know, Jackson's out. but And that's not an all-star cast. That's a pretty average group, even on their best day. But I bet the offense comes around, even with bad blocking. Like, I, I still don't think, like, it's Jalen Hurts' time or anything like that. Yeah, and if it does become Jalen Hurts' time, I think – GMs around the league would be very smart to target Carson Wentz because if oh, we're talking yeah. about hot seats, kind of like when Denver and some of the other conversations we've had, I would put Doug Peterson on a hot seat before I would put Carson Wentz on a hot seat, personally. They have a losing record since winning the Super Bowl. And the other thing about Philly, well, what's crazy is they're they're still my leader in the clubhouse to win that crap division. You talk about crap quarterbacks, but nothing <laughs> doesn't compare to the crap division. So you can't cash it in. But boy, go to overthecap.com and look at the Eagles cap situation for next year when the cap could go down or at best probably only stays at 200. It's by far the worst in the league. And I mean, do they have to cut Brandon Graham and trade Ertz and maybe Wentz and four other brand name guys? I mean, it's that bad. And if Wentz plays this terrible his contract isn't that horrible for a team to trade for him. I mean, most of the money is already out of the way. I don't think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. If if the season keeps going like this, they say we're going to do the Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, you know, not first round pick starting quarterback, give it to Jalen Hurts, trade Wentz, get rid of our financial problems. I'm just saying it's crazier things have happened. Yes. I don't, I'm not predicting it. Especially if Hertz gets in there a little bit this year and shows something because then you yeah, can yeah. say, hey, look, we got this other quarterback. We drafted him high for a reason. So, yeah, it's not insane. Not impossible. It's not insane. Uh, I, I also hate when Hertz comes in now and Wentz doesn't go off. Like, I'm fine getting him a package, but when Wentz goes over there and stands there like Joe Flacco yeah. used to when Lamar <laughs> comes in, like, why play 10 on 11? We know you're not throwing it to Wentz. He's not getting a reverse. He's not going to block anybody. Bring in anybody, but take him off the field. Yeah, it takes away your your numbers advantage by bringing in a quarterback yeah. that can run the ball a little bit. Right, and Taysom Hill sometimes is guilty of that too. They're better at it, but still, I, I don't mind trotting him one of those guys out, but take your quarterback and put him on the sideline for a play or two. Last one here. we got to finish it up quick with the yeah. NFC West. Are we sure Seattle is a top-five team? Close wins against the Cowboys and Vikings and now a loss to the Cardinals. Russ and the receivers are awesome, but what else is there? Right. And top five team is very lofty. Their offense is as good as any in the league. I mean, those two receivers, that amazing quarterback. You know, I was doing some third down research today and they they don't even get to third down. Like they're running way more fewer third downs than any other team in the league because they get first downs on first and second. You know, like they're big play. They're the best in the league at yards per play. But, I mean, I I, I have them ranked fifth. <laughs> I did a power ranks this week, as I do every week. I had the Bucks, the Ravens, Steelers, and Chiefs ahead of them. Then I had them over Green Bay, Tennessee, Saints, Niners, Rams. And I'm comfortable putting them right there. But their defense, and especially their pass rush, is really bad. 
The path to the playoffs might not have been easier for any team in the NFL than the Seattle Seahawks. Here's the win so far for Seattle. Falcons, Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, Vikings. Uh, not a lot of wins in, wow. in those groups. And then they, I didn't realize how bad that was. Yeah, then they lose to the Cardinals. And they do have some tougher games coming up with some NFC West opponents. Obviously, they're going to play each of them twice. They do have at Buffalo Bills on the schedule in a couple of weeks. But then they still have the Jets and Washington and the Giants and those NFC East teams and the Eagles. So the entire NFC East still. So they're just going to coast into the playoffs. So I don't see how they don't have one of the top seeds in the playoffs, even if they split with the division. Yeah, wow. I, I didn't realize it was that easy. I knew the Browns were set up that way, although I think Seattle's a much better team than the Browns and have a much better quarterback. But it might be time to start examining remaining strength of schedule for the second half of the season because a couple of these teams are in really good shape. So short answer to that question is, yes, the defense especially is a problem, but it's not going to become a problem problem, I think, until the playoffs, and then they might have an early exit based on what I've seen so far from the Seahawks, and we'll see if they can fix some things there. And I say this a lot, though. They... They're the one team that I kind of throw the stats and the logic out because they win every they close win. game and <laughs> Wilson's a different play breed than everybody else. And, you know, Carol's been doing it for years and it's like, yeah, they got a lot of problems, but they'll probably end up winning. I'm not saying they're winning the Super Bowl, but you, you pair them up against anybody. If they played the Packers 11 times right now, I'd probably take Seattle. Zero sacks, zero quarterback hits last week against Kyler Murray so for the bad. Seattle right. defense. Uh, they will get Jamal Adams back, so that's pretty huge. Their best player on defense has been out. Good point. Good point. Good point. And he rushes a passer a little. He's the best pass rusher right now, yeah. Yeah, he is the best pass rusher. You're right. All right, good stuff, Matt. Thanks to all the questions out there. Apologies if we didn't get to you. Keep them coming. We'll do another two-minute morning next week. Back tomorrow, Wednesday, stock up, stock down. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.